The quote stayed with me for, for, for decades. I can't remember who said it, but I can't get it off my mind. Here's what he said. People are crying while they die. Not because they're dying, but because they don't know why they lived. And I think there are so many among us who don't live life with a sense of meaning, who don't put their head on their pillow at night with a sense of fulfillment. In fact, if I could guess too many of us, we we live life with a sense of, of frustration instead of fulfillment. And even at times, if we're not careful, church can become another source of frustration where I'm, I'm not fitting in and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do and I, I'm doing things I'm uncomfortable with and, and we become even more frustrated at church instead of fulfilled. And so today we want to talk about the road to fulfillment. Look at this definition of the word fulfillment. I really love this. It's just a regular dictionary definition, but it, you can find it in the Bible, I believe. A feeling of happiness and satisfaction, especially because you are doing something are using your abilities. Did you notice a couple of things there? Fulfillment happens when you're doing something and you're using your abilities. Now, here's what I want you to know this morning. God doesn't want you to live your life frustrated. Certainly your life in his church. God wants you to live your life in fulfillment. In fact, listen to this passage from 1 Peter chapter 4 in verse 10. Each of you has been blessed with one of God's many wonderful gifts to be used in the service of others. And guys, here's the promise of Scripture, is that as a child of God, you have been given a gift. Now, this word gift is an interesting word. It's the word we get, grace. You've been given a gift. It's a grace gift. Often when we think about grace, we think, wow, I just got saved, and I've received the grace of God, and I'm going to heaven, and I'm going to hell. Well, that's part of grace, but God wants more grace for you than that. He doesn't want you just saved. He doesn't want you just to be here. He wants you to be saved for a purpose, and so the next gift of God's grace is not only forgiven your sin, but he's also given you a gift to be used in his service that will fulfill you, that will fill you full. And that's just as much grace as your salvation. And he says, we've been given this to be used in the service of others. And so his encouragement for us to live a fulfilled life is use that gift. Go and do it. It's an amazing feeling when you're using your gift. I've been reading a a biography lately of a, a famous preacher named Peter Marshall. He was a Scotsman who came to America, ended up preaching in Washington, D.C. Years in his later years, he became chaplain of the Senate, famous for beautiful prayers that he led. But while he was preaching for this church in New York City, there was a woman who moved there named Alma Fulmer from Kansas. She was a reporter, and she came to that church. Well, at one point, um, Catherine Marshall, that was his wife, Peter Marshall's wife, had leukemia. And one day in church, that they're needing someone to stay with her and take care of her. And so uh, they made an announcement, we need someone to come and, and, and stay. We'll pay them a salary, but we need someone to come and take care of her in her disease because it's not going away very quickly. 
Well, Alma hears this, and she also hears the voice of God saying, you need to do this, and she fought God on it. She's like, God, I I didn't move from Kansas to D.C. to go sit with this sick woman. I I I moved here to be a reporter. But she kept hearing God tell her to do it. And so finally she surrendered, and she says, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I've been looking for words all week. I read a couple of nights ago how she felt when she surrendered her life to be used in this way by God. Here's what she said. I suddenly knew for the first time in my life what it meant to be in the right place at the right time. It was something like the way the horizon writes itself and stands still when you're coming out of a dizzy spell. And everything suddenly settles into place. All restlessness and uncertainty left me forever. The peace of God has never left me since that time. I know now that obedience to whatever God asks of us brings peace and a sense of rightness with the world. There is no substitute for it. That night was the beginning of a whole new life for me. Don't you love that description? That, that what seemingly on paper crazy move to go take care of this woman led her to a career in the Red Cross that spanned the rest of her life. She found her niche. She found her giftedness. She found her place. I always tell people that when I moved here 20 years ago, more than any other time in my life, and I'm not saying this to put, pat myself on the back because it was a God deal. Any other time in my life, I felt like I was exactly where God wanted me to be, doing exactly what God wanted me to do. Have you had that feeling? And what I'm saying to you this morning is that's what God wants for you. He wants you to have that sense of fulfillment, that your life is full, that you're being used by something, that you've been gifted by Him. So this morning, we're going to talk about the road to fulfillment. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at one of the great chapters of all Scripture, Romans chapter 12. And we're going to go down that road, and you're going to see some road signs along the way that will help you to live a fulfilled life. Let's start in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your true and proper worship. Now stop there just for a second. Now the the word therefore is critical in this verse. Paul has spent the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans explaining the amazing grace and mercy of God. How you can't earn your salvation, how you can't be good enough, you can't do enough good deeds. The only way you're saved is by the, the undeserved grace of God. And he says, now in response to that, knowing how gracious God is, now here's what you do. You offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, friends, that's that's worship language. That's altar language. Just in the Old Testament, a a Jew might come to the altar and and pour a drink offering over that altar as worship to God. Paul says this, knowing how great God has been to you, now you come and throw your body on that altar. Now, not as a dead sacrifice, but as a living sacrifice to God. And he says, when you begin to do that, your life begins to be worshiped. And God, so as we leave this place today, please don't make the mistake of thinking, well, we're leaving worship. No, you're continuing your worship. As you live your life as a living sacrifice, that's what happens. 
Now, here's the road sign. You need to yield. You need to yield your life. You need to surrender before God. Look at verse 2. Here's the next key to this. Go back to 2, if you would, just for a moment. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. What's he saying there is once you surrender your life to God and your mind, God begins to change your mind through the Holy Spirit, you're going to get to that moment where you're going to test and you're going to know God's will. You're going to be in that moment when you're, you are right where you ought to be, doing right what you ought to do, and you're going to know this is God's will for your life. Now, the key, the first road sign is to yield, is to surrender your life to God. Now, this is, um, this is counterintuitive to us. We talk about the road to fulfillment. In our culture, we say, you're going to receive fulfillment. You're going to be self-fulfilled. But, but guys, we're talking about something so much better than self-fulfillment here. We're talking about God-fulfillment. We're talking about you surrendering your life to God, you dying to yourself. Jesus says the weirdest thing. He says, if you lose your life, you'll what? Find it. If, if you find your life, you'll lose it. Now, if you go out seeking fulfillment on your own, you'll never find it. Many people go from one activity, one mission, one project, one home, one purchase, one job, to the other looking for fulfillment. And he said, you won't find it that way. You'll finally find fulfillment when you get on that altar and you die to self and you yield your will to God. In fact, I love the quotation from E. Stanley Jones. The old Methodist missionary to India, he said, the most used word in hell is the word I. And to be centered on self today is to be in hell right now. You see, fulfillment will not come from you focusing on you. Fulfillment will ironically come when you die to you and you put your life on the altar for God. It's amazing what will happen. And you will find that peace. Now then go to verse 3, and he's going to give us a warning. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgments in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. Now when we start talking about spiritual gifts, one of our problems is sometimes they lead to pride. Bible deals with this. And so we now have our next sign, which is the do not enter sign. And our next word of advice is beware of pride in comparison. Because here's what can happen. You can discover your spiritual gift, and and, and you think, man, my gift is better than anybody else's. Maybe you have the gift, and very few people, at least so far in our church, have the gift of evangelism. And man, your heart is just for the lost, and you're out there with the lost, and that just means everything to you. Now, if you're not careful, you think, okay, man, I'm the only one really, really on fire for God, and all these other people, man, they really don't have it. And you, you start being prideful. Or maybe you start doing some comparison, you know. Maybe your gift is service. Everything you do is, is behind the scenes, and, and nobody sees it. And sometimes you look up here on stage, and you see people gifted in worship or gifted in speaking or gifted in this area, and you think, man, I wish I had that gift. Why well, is my gift just to be back there and, 
you know, be serving the food or to be making sure things are in place. And so we've got to be very careful of pride and comparison. Because sometimes I want what you've got all my life. I wish that I could sing well. It is that funny. It really is, Paul. It really is that funny. And I I thought of something this week. This is one of the most embarrassing things I've ever told in any sermon. I remember being a little kid and watching TV back when we had, you know, three networks. And um, I remember watching Glenn Campbell sing once. And I literally prayed and asked God to let me sing like Glenn Campbell. (laughs) Is that embarrassing or not? And you know what? God has just never answered that prayer. I've lowered my prayer life. Now I simply ask God to help me be able to clap on beat. <laughs> and I don't think he's answered that one either. And so it's so easy, you know, go, man, if I could just sing like that, man, I think, what would it be like to stand in front of the audience and be able to sing that solo song and have them in your hand? That's got to be incredible. And you get jealous. And this is what Paul says. You know, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't think of yourself too highly. Don't look at somebody else's gift and become jealous. Find out where you belong. Find out where you belong and use that gift. And just use it to the fullest. Don't be comparing yourself with other people. Simply use the gift. And then he gives some really good advice in verses 4 and 5. For just as each of us have has one body with many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Our next road sign is the merge sign, because you need to merge your life with something bigger than you. You need to become a part of something bigger than you. And Paul uses what I think is the greatest analogy in the Bible. And that is that the church is the body of Christ. Just think about all that analogy, all that metaphor communicates. Christ is the head. We are the parts. We're all different. We all have different roles, but we're all necessary. Paul has this crazy passage over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 where he has different parts of the body speaking to other parts of the body. The hand saying to the eye, because I'm not an eye, I'm not important. The eye saying to the foot, you know, you're not very important. It's this crazy conversation. And what Paul is trying to demonstrate there is, no, every, every single part, Paul says those that are publicly seen and those that are never seen are necessary If you're the big toe, you're necessary because without the big toe, we're going to be off balanced. Everybody's necessary. Everybody needs to be used. Everybody needs to be a part of this bigger picture, which is the body of Christ. And so I'm telling you guys, for us to really employ our gifts, one thing we've got to do is we've got to see what God has called us to be a part of. Because sometimes all I can see is my little bitty part, and it doesn't look very significant. I think about Vacation Bible School this week. It's a great week in this church. Do you know there's going to be 156 people helping put VBS on? That's a lot of folks. 
And, and if we're not careful, maybe you just serve the refreshments and you think, I'm not doing anything very significant. Or, or, or maybe you're just one of those, like they let me do, be a guide where you just got a rope and you just guide the kids around. You think, I'm not doing anything much. But, but the truth is, if you'd back off and you'd look at the big picture and see all these kids learning about Jesus because of your small part in it, it's exciting. But you got to see the big picture. I, I love the story of the, the six blind men that were um, up against an elephant, and none of them could see the elephant. And, and one of them could touch the side of the elephant, and he just thought it was a wall. And one could grab the tusk and thought it was just a spear. And one could touch the, the trunk and thought it was a snake. Another thought the leg was a tree, and the ear was a fan, and the tail was a rope. And so you got six blind men standing around this elephant, and they can't see the enormity of this beast. And so often, guys, we get in our little pockets, and we don't see the enormity of what God is doing. I was watching um, this special on PBS recently about the building of the Empire State Building. For some reason, with my kids moving to New York City, I'm into watching those kind of things, all right? I got to tell you this story. Last Sunday afternoon, we took Lindsay and George and Sport to the Montgomery Airport to drop them off for them to, to go to New York City. And it was a really tearful, sad time for us. But we had one great sense of uh, moment of humor. We walked into the airport, and little George, two-and-a-half-year-old George, starts looking around the Montgomery Airport, and he looks at me and he says, Grandbuddy, is this New York City? <laughs> not quite, son, not quite. It's going to be different. But I hope he gets to see the Empire State Building. You know the Empire State Building was built in one year. I mean, it could never happen in today's red tape. They had people all over the country making steel and making boulders and making bricks and glass, and, and there were thousands of people involved in this monumental task, and it was all put together in a year. But how do you stay motivated if you're just a brick maker or you're just making the steel beam? You stay motivated because you've got a picture in your mind of something magnificent that the world will use for decades as a marker being built. How do we stay motivated in the body of Christ? It's that we believe my small part is a part of something magnificent happening. What is it? It's the body of Christ being built. When we all come together, each using our different gifts, each encouraging the other, each listening to the head, the most amazing thing happens. Jesus lives. We are the body of Christ. And sometimes all of us get so down in the minutiae of our ministry that we don't see that. I challenge you to see that. And I want to challenge you about this, guys. There's no organization on earth that has the role that we play. Now, you can go represent Jesus where you work or that school or, or, or in that neighborhood. That's awesome. But together, we're the only organization on the face of the earth where you can go, look at that. That's the body of Jesus. Because you're not the body of Jesus out there by yourself. You're a part. 
But together, when they look, you can't say that about the Kiwanis Club. You can't say that about the Junior League. You can't say that about Faulkner University. You can't say that about anything. The only organization called to be the body of Christ is the church. And that's what's so bothersome, friends, when often we're willing to give ourselves to so many different organizations. And the church comes second. Because this is the only organization called to be that magnificent body of Jesus Christ. It's crazy. And then look at what he says. How if you've merged in the body, then he gives you these gifts. Let's look at verse 6 through 8. We have different gifts according to grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is service, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now there's a a listing of gifts. There's lots of different lists in the Bible. But here's another road sign along the way to fulfillment. That's to discover. Discover your spiritual gift. Or your spiritual gifts. Most of us have more than one. Discover your part in the body. I mean, see the big picture of the body. You know, surrender yourself. Guard your heart against pride. See the big picture of the body. But in the long run, for you to be fulfilled, you need to find your niche. You've got to. You say, well, how do you do it? Well, you could try trial and error. Just try this and see if that works. Then go try this. And then... And listen to me, you you may spend the rest of your life with trial and error. There's better ways to do it. You you might go to people close to you and say, what do you you see as my spiritual gift? And and that would probably help. But go ahead and show the, the, the website up there if you would. We've got a website. We've been challenging you to go to Landmark Church slash spiritual gifts. The best way to sort of cut this process time-wise is is to go take a gifts assessment test and to find out where your spiritual gift may be. And you can go this afternoon, my friends, in 30 minutes and take this test, and it will give you some good information. Here's the good news. Over 400 of you have done this. Over 400 of you. So so we're making some big progress here. Because, listen, This is why I keep reading. As long as you work outside of your spiritual giftedness, you're going to experience frustration. Okay? If your spiritual giftedness is over here, you know, let's say your spiritual giftedness is, is, is service. And, and we keep putting you in front of everybody where you're uncomfortable, you're probably not going to thrive. You're, 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 just, you're just going to be, you're just going to be frustrated. You see, you begin to experience fulfillment when you're doing exactly what God wants you to do, where God wants you to do it. You experience that amazing fulfillment, and we want to help you with that. Now, on our test, let me show you this next screen. There's, there's, there's nine different gifts. Uh, Paul in Romans 12 
mentioned seven. You can go to First Peter, and there's another list. You can go to Corinthians, there's another list. So none of the lists, are obviously, are exhaustive. But here's the list that we felt like was most appropriate for our church and what we're trying to do. And, and, and you will take this test, and it will tell you what two or three. I've got three that are all tied on top. And, and you, you'll go find out what your spiritual giftedness is. And then here's what's going to happen. is you start, and we, we, try to, we try to do our best to help you get into a ministry where your spiritual gift is fulfilled, then you're going to start, you're going to start feeling a whole lot better. Now, here's something I saw very interesting this week. If you can spend 70% of your time in your spiritual gift, then you won't matter and you won't be depleted by 30% outside of your spiritual gift. In other words, let's say, you know, your, your, your spiritual gift is, is generosity or, or your spiritual gift is exhortation and encouragement. If, if you make sure that you've got lots of time doing that, and you also volunteer to come up here and cut grass on Saturday, it won't, it won't mess you up. Or, or, or yours is, you know, yours is shepherding people, and then, you know, we, we've got a big nursery, we've got some chores around here that have to be done that may not be anybody's spiritual gift, but you, you're, you're going to go keep the nursery, and you're going you're to help in there. As long as you're exercising 70% of your time within your spiritual gift, then all of us are able to exercise other gifts for 30% of the time without it draining and depleting our energy. But the key to this is to find where your spiritual gift is. So if you've not taken this test, my encouragement is for you to do this. Now, here's what we're going to be doing this summer. Now, look at the next slide. You can learn about your spiritual gifts on four Wednesday nights this summer, July the 13th, 20th, 27th, and August 3rd. I want, to, I want to give you a heads up because obviously many of you are very busy on Wednesday nights, okay? And so I want you to be able to clear your calendar. Because on those four Wednesday nights, you're going to be able to come up here and learn about those nine gifts. Now, you, you'll be able to go to a room. Let's say your greatest gift was the, the gift of exhortation and encouragement. You'll be able to go to a room and learn about that. And your second gift was this, and you can go the next week and learn about that. And then you might want to spend one week where you just go and find out about something you're not sure about. But for four Wednesday nights, we've got VBS this week. We've got July 4th break the next week. Then starting on July the 13th, we're going to have four Wednesday nights. So to, to prepare for those four Wednesday nights... You need to take this spiritual gift test so that when you get here, you can exercise it and you can know where to go and how to grow. And what we're going to do is give you some instruction of where and how to use that gift so that you can truly be fulfilled. And that brings us to our, our last road sign, which is simply the, the go sign. Uh, Nike would put it this way, just do it. Well, once you've surrendered your life to Christ, it's sort of ironic. It starts with surrender. Listen, nothing I'm saying today will work if you don't first just give up on yourself and surrender to God. You surrender yourself to God. You make sure you keep your pride and comparison in check. You see your place in the full body of Christ. What are we trying to do? Together, we're going to do something crazy. We're going to be Jesus. You find your spiritual giftedness. Where do you fit in God's plan? And then go. 
I, I like the way the translation we just read said, if it's generosity, let him give. If it's leadership, let him lead. If it's exhortation, let him encourage. What, what we must do as a church is we must find out how God has gifted us. We've got to plug ourselves in, and we've got to give people the authority and power to go and to exercise their gifts. We must empower people because here's what's going to happen. is you find out your place in this body and you're able to go exercise in that area, you're going to be more fulfilled than you've ever been. I love watching people find their gift because when they do, just there's a light bulb that comes on. If you run into Tony Smith out here on Sunday morning greeting, you know that man is in his giftedness. He's amazing. If you work with Sue Haggerty while she's preparing a meal, or Richard Annette Stewart where they're preparing a meal for the church, you see they are exercising in a place where they feel so fulfilled. If you see Sable Marzella out here in these flower beds making this place beautiful, you can hear the fulfillment in her voice. If you see Scott Smith up in the technology area using his gifts in that area, you see a fulfillment in this church. When you see Rebecca MacArthur entertaining the senior saints, call that a gift, when you see that, my goodness, you see something special. If you go to this class tonight for adults and you sit under Rob McFarlane and you see him exercise his gift of teaching, you will go, that's where that man belongs. I could, I could just, I'm looking across the audience right now. I could just, over and over, I've seen when you and I find that place and it's crazy good. And what I'm saying to you this morning is we want everybody in this church to find that place. Because if you don't find that place and you don't exercise the gift that God's given you, God's people will be crippled. Did you hear that? I didn't say we're going to stop because we're not. But we're going to be crippled. Until you find your place and I find your place, and we let you, let you go and rip it off and until you, we will be crippled as a body. Because God has placed each one of us in his body. He has gifted each person. And my friend, not only will we be crippled, but you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be frustrated. So, I love this definition a friend shared with me of success. He said he found it on a documentary called The Journey. I don't know where he found it, but I love it. Here it is. Waking up every morning excited and going to bed every night fulfilled. That's a pretty good definition, isn't it? Waking up every morning excited and going to bed every night fulfilled. Here's what I'm trying to tell you this morning. Not only do I want that for me and want that for you, and not only does this church want this for you, this is is even better. God wants it for you. He's created you in a special way. 
when you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit came into your life. He gave you a gift or some gifts to be used. And when you find that place, you can wake up every day excited and you can go to bed every night fulfilled. Let me ask you, is that your life? Is that your life? If not, here's the good news this morning. God wants to give it to you. He wants you to experience what it's like to wake up and face the day and go, oh, I'm so excited about what I get to do. Not, oh, I dread it, I dread it. We've all been there when we were in the wrong job, in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing, and it was just miserable. We've all been there. And and what I'm saying to you, I, I can't solve all your job problems this morning, but what God could solve is your church problems. If you're not fulfilled in this church right now, if either one or two things are happening. Either, either number one, you're just not doing anything. And, and, and quite frankly, if you're not doing anything, you're never going to be fulfilled. If you are just an attender of this church and you just sort of plop down and leave and that's it, then I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you're never going to find fulfillment because fulfillment happens as you are exercising in your giftedness. So, so maybe your problem is you, you just need to get active. Or, or maybe your problem is you are active, but for somehow you've not found that, that sweet spot. And, 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 and let us help you find that sweet spot. So when you wake up on Sunday, you wake up excited. And you go to bed. You lay your head on your pillow and you are fulfilled. Because you found that sweet spot for God. And your life is about something bigger than you. And it's got meaning and purpose. Aren't you tired of frustration? Aren't you ready for some fulfillment? Now here's the the crazy part of this. Please remember what we said at the beginning. It all starts with you offering your body as a living sacrifice to God. If if you want to get this started today, then you just need to raise the white flag of surrender and say, Lord, I'm surrendering to you. Whatever you want from my life, that's what I want. Maybe you've never been baptized, and today's the day for you to go, you know what? I'm so tired of trying to figure out life on my own. In fact, I've not done a very good job with my life. Well, I'm just going to throw myself on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and let Jesus take over, and he can be the Lord of my life. That's, the baptism is a beautiful act of surrender. Or maybe you've been baptized in the past, but, but somehow you've gone back and down a selfish road. Or you, you've gone down a road where you're not exercising your spiritual gifts, and today you want to re-surrender your life to Jesus. And you want the prayers of the church to get you past and you know who you are. You know who you are. I don't, you, you, nobody else, the person sitting beside you may not know who you are. But you're sick of this level of frustration in your life. And you'd like to lay your head on your pillow. Fulfilled. Good news. That's what God wants for you. If we can help you get there, if we can pray for you, why don't you come while we stand and sing?